Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th Man Podcast. It's Shane alongside Frankie, as always. Hope you're all having a wonderful one, enjoying what has been a crazy time in CFL free agency. We have a crazy episode for the next hour. How are you doing, though, Frankie? I'm all right, other than the fact that Facebook has changed how I have to share it is into the groups now. So it takes forever, which is, oh, it's so fun, you know, so fun. <laughs> yeah, see, you handle the Facebook groups. I handle everything else. Uh, I mean, that's what... Okay, let, come on, Shane. Let's get, let's give me a little bit of credit here, please. <laughs> okay, to be fair, you also do like the editing and the posting and whatnot. But yeah. like, that's because I don't have access to it. Yes. Yeah, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of didn't give fault. you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we have a we have a really crazy episode, and we're gonna we're gonna start with something that kind of got us or got me into some hot water because Frankie went out and bailed, being like, "I had nothing to do with this." Because I mean, you didn't. Okay. To be fair, you actually didn't. That when when you posted that on the thirteenth man account, I'm like, "Oh my god, he's gonna get us killed!" Like both of us. He's going to get me taken down with him. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. That is, this is not my thing. Okay. This is, this is you. So I, I put, I'm putting you on the spot, man. Like you're, you're the one that's going to talk about this here. I mean, okay. So if you hadn't seen, and I'm surprised if, if no one has at this point, uh, on the 13th man pod, like on the, on the uh, Twitter page, I released a, uh, list of betting favorites for the gray cup and if you know most like anything about betting most of the time it's based off of roster construction who's on the roster you know we see it in nhl they talk about replacement level uh players above below whatever the case may be so i looked at and this this wasn't just me taking a spin off of you know my head i looked into the rosters currently and unless there are some significant ads by some of some teams in the West specifically, I do not see how they are favorites. So uh, <laughs> it's a big one. A lot of people were mad. Not going to lie, though, I loved it seeing, you know, especially Rough Riders and Stan Peters fans coming to defend their club, being like, oh, how could you do this? You don't know anything. You're, you're drunk. You're hot. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious because, hey, it's discussion. I loved how some people thought I was trolling Stamps and Riders fans. Not going to lie. That was kind of funny. Well, that, that was one thing. I saw somebody mention that we must be out clickbaiting, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't – that I didn't like because, you know, we, we've both discussed multiple times that, that we're not doing that. Uh, we have no interest in, in being one of those click farms or being NHLTradeRumors.me of the CFL. So I didn't I didn't love that comment. But I think it was it, it was good discussion, and I think it was funny that everybody, including myself, just kind of piled on top of you for that one. <laughs> but here's the thing: here's the thing, though. I defended it, and no one had anything to say about how I defended it. So I look back at the obviously the the 2021s were kind of all in shambles. They were projected off of last year, like the the way last year finished and the rosters, right? That that's how it works. If you go back to 2019. And that's what I did. I looked back at the 2019, and according to Odd Shark, uh, and this was they were using from Bo uh, Bodog. So there's a I had the article off of Daily Hive. They mentioned Bodog and they mentioned Odd Shark. They had the Calgary Stampeders on April 2nd, 2019, the favorites to win the Grey Cup because of Mike Riley. That was it. Literally, the article was literally just like. With Mike Riley in the fold, BC's the favorites. Which, looking that, back on that now, was absolutely ridiculous. You know, Montreal was, you know, the team that had no one expected to even make the playoffs. They were second in the East. Division, uh, in the East, uh, Realistically, maybe with a little bit more experience, could have beaten Edmonton in the, the East semis. But I think, so you look at that, you look at, you know, that kind of construction of how they did the – uh, the odds. So my prediction on how the odds are going to shake up is we have Edmonton at Edmonton number one. I think Edmonton going into the fa- going into the season are the favorites. You know, I think we could both agree that what they've done on like done with their roster so far is phenomenal. Losing Seawell sucks, but you add Lemon, so you're not losing much. You've added 
uh, Derek Dennis and serve and brought back Sir Vincent Rogers. You've added in Darrell Walker, brought back uh, Craig Ellingson. You brought in, you know, Jonathan Rose. So I think uh, we can agree that Edmonton's number one, right? I think either Edmonton or Hamilton's got to be number one. And I'm just fighting to get uh, a picture of this tweet up. But before I can do that, we'll just uh, quickly mention what it is. Um, Shane has got Edmonton number one, Hamilton number two, Toronto number three. You have Winnipeg number four, BC number five, Montreal number six, Ottawa number seven, Saskatchewan number eight, and Calgary number nine. Yeah, so way to steal my thunder. But yes, that, that's the list. Those are my one through nine. The, and okay, so we'll skip we'll skip two through through seven because that that's a different discussion. Everyone was handing me for Saskatchewan and Calgary. The only reason why people have Calgary in the top four is because of Bo Levi Mitchell. And personally, just like how it was wrong to put BC number one in 2019 because of Mike Riley, putting Calgary in the top four or top three because of uh you know, Bo Levi Mitchell is just as wrong. Yeah, I, I can kind of agree with you, but I, I just can't. I cannot put Calgary number number nine. They're... Oh, we've lost Shane again. This seems to be kind of a trend that's happening. <laughs> um, He's back now, which is wonderful. Good, welcome back, Shane. Good okay. to have you. We know what happened. I guess I clicked and uh, I don't even know what I clicked. I, I have no idea what I clicked. Okay, have you looked at Calgary's roster right now? It's barren. You have Kamar Jordan and Josh Huff, who are your one-two receivers. Good receivers, but neither of them have been a number one receiver in the CFL. You played Eric Rogers and Cardero, Cardero Law, who a beast in the middle of the field for Cardero Law, you know, in that front seven, in the trenches for you. Eric Rogers was your number one receiver. He's probably a top five receiver in the league. Yep. You train them because they don't fit your your scheme. I understand that, you know, Dickinson and Huffnagel, they're very good like football personnel. They can put out a winning product. The problem is though that you know turning of players comes back and bites you in the butt eventually. There's a reason why these dynasties end after a certain point. Bo Levi can only do so much that defense has some major holes. That offense, you know, across the O-line, some some major concerns. And on that receiving front, you know, as a defense, I'm looking at it as like, cool, I can double Kamar Jordan, put my best, you know, my second best corner, oh, or excuse me, second best corner on Josh Huff, and I'm going to force one of these unknown receivers to win a game. I'm going to force the running game into it, and Kareem Carey should be dominant again, should have a good year. But with those little, you know, weapons, you can also stack the box. I just I, – I know what you're doing with, with the – looking at the current rosters and releasing your odds as of right now. But I, I think a lot of my thinking right now revolves around the fact that I know this is not what the Stampeders are going to look like. They're going to they're gonna bring in some guys that are going to be impact players for like them. Like who? How, okay, who, who are you going to bring in? Do you think Sewell gets less than Cordero Law? Do you think no, but, I mean, Collins gets less than what Eric Rogers got? Would you – I mean, this, this is what we saw the Red Blacks do last year, right? I don't think we're going to see something as catastrophic with them, with the Stampeders. I think they're going to be maybe not the best team in the West. I think that ship has kind of sailed at this point. Like, I don't know how they could compete with the Bombers right now, assuming Zach Kolaros is as good as he was as advertised last season and stays healthy this year. I don't think there's anybody touching them. But that being said, like I, I can't see Calgary be a number five seed in the West. Can you like can you legitimately see that? I can see them being a four or five seed. You're like realistically, okay. I think my opinion, looking at the rosters, unless unless somehow they can get Sewell and Calling or Judge or someone like someone like that, and those big name players, I do not see how Calgary is better than BC, Edmonton, or Winnipeg right now. And yes, they may have the best goal, like best quarterback, 
But for the for the last like four years, Mike Riley has been on par with Bo Levi in terms of best quarterback in the CFL. It's him or Bo Levi. Yeah. One two. Well, that, that's been year. that's been the battle for since Bo became the starter, really. So, so. you're telling. So if you look at paper, BC's you know coaching staff is better than it was in 2019. Their roster is better than it was in 2019. You're going to have a Mike Riley back. So on paper, BC, Winnipeg, and Edmonton are the top three. You know, you yeah. can put Calgary ahead of – and the reason why I have Saskatchewan ahead is because I like their offense better. I think they have more offensive weapons than Calgary does. But they have just as big a holes on defense. If you lose – you lose Hughes for $15,000 uh, – what was it, $15,000? $1,500? Yeah, yeah 15, you, 15, $15,000. You know, you, you're probably going to lose Judge. You're gonna lo- you might lose uh, Solomon. So those are three big pieces in your front seven, and you're gonna have to face Winnipeg. Who's gonna? Who do you think is gonna stop uh, freaking Harris from running over that defensive line, that front seven? Like I don't understand how if you look at these rosters, you can justify putting either Saskatchewan or Calgary in the top three. Oh no, I, I wouldn't go that far for either of them. But I think just knowing that like Calgary is kind of like the New England Patriots, right? They're, you just whenever you think they're dead, they're just not. You know, until that, until this back. season. Until this season. And then like can can I really believe that a team led by Bowie by Mitchell and with the management they've got is just gonna go away without a fight? No, I, I really can't. No, but if you look at the, the strength of like the schedule, you're not playing like they only play Ottawa once, and then they only mm-hmm. play Toronto once. You know, you're playing more Western teams. You have to play like Winnipeg more times. Like Ottawa, like the reason why I have Montreal and Ottawa ahead of Saskatchewan and uh, Calgary is because they have to play Hamilton and Toronto more times than they play, you know, Edmonton and Winnipeg and you know BC. Because you have like the strength of schedule is in favor to the East teams than it is in the West. Obviously, you know that's why they play the games, right? If they were, if it was all on odds, they would just have handed BC the trophy last year, right? Put your best team forward, and and you'll win the the Grey Cup. Yeah, that's not how it goes. So obviously, I could be wrong. You know, Calgary can come out and you know go fifteen and three for the season, winning the being the best team in the league and winning the uh, the Grey Cup. Very possible. Unfortunately, odds do not base it off of coaching history or GM history. It's always based on the players on the roster that are going to be playing the game. Yeah. Because if that was the case, Ottawa would not have been like sixth in 2019 in probability to win the Grey Cup. Yeah. Let's move on from that uh, before we spend our entire episode talking about that. Um, obviously, Shane, you and I are very close to a trade that shook the foundation of the CFL. This, or not a trade, but kind of a quarterback swap. That was the big news, and Ottawa fans are still ranting and raving about it on Twitter. Where where do you stand? It's a best who, who came out on top? Uh, it, it's so... Uh, Personally, I think Ottawa comes up on top. You have a proven quarterback who's proven to, to be able to win in the system that you have with Paul Lapolis. Arbuckle, he's had, what, nine games as a starter? Dinwiddie's a, a rookie head coach. Yeah, you have a really good supporting cast, but you know, unfortunately, like you're comparing a veteran coach who's been to two great cups uh, one is a head coach, one is an off- offensive coordinator, winning it with Winnipeg in 2019 versus Dinwiddie, who at max was what, an OC or quarterback's coach? He wasn't even an OC. Yeah. He was a quarterback's coach. So I think, okay, yeah, you've added all the offensive weapons, but you have a rookie starter and a rookie head coach in a division where, you know, Jones is a, a great head coach in Montreal. You have some really good weapons in Montreal. Honestly, as much as we've been hyping up Toronto, they've added Hughes, they've added Rogers. Coaching, coaching is literally their big coaching and quarterback are their two biggest weaknesses on this team, and they're the, probably the two most important in sports. Yeah, 
I I wrote about this the day after that this swap happened. And what I highlighted in that is I think Matt Nichols right now in a vacuum is the better quarterback than Nick Arbuckle. I don't think anybody's going to really debate that one with me. As long as Matt Nichols is healthy this year, he's the better quarterback right now at this instant. Where I think this gets interesting is, you know, Nick Arbuckle has been hyped up to be the next big name in the CFL. And for every Trevor Harris, there's a James Franklin. For every Matt Nichols, there's a Dominique Davis, right? Not everybody's going to come out and be the superstar. We two, Like, what, five years ago? Not even. James Franklin was literally the next Bo Levi Mitchell. We talked about that guy. There was so much potential around him, so much hype. Who'd he sign with? Toronto. What did Nothing. he do? Nothing. He's never done anything in the CFL at this point. Do I think Nick Arbuckle's James Franklin? No, I don't. I think that Arbuckle has the high ceiling better than uh, than James Franklin is. And I think that he has the potential to fully reach that. Is it a guarantee? Absolutely not. Never. Never is that going to be a guarantee. No, and I mean, there's no guarantee on any player. But I think people – and I think this is the thing that that is pissing me off. From my understanding of the situation – from what's been reported, what I've been able to find, the the organization uh, Desjardins wanted two years out of Arbuckle. Yep. It didn't seem like money was the issue for Desjardins and Oseg and, and the Ottawa Red Blacks. They didn't want him to. They didn't want him here for a year and then have to redo this. They signed him to a two year deal in, in 2020. They wanted two years out of him. So people can say, oh, you know, he's classless and whatever. I don't see how a GM, you sign a guy to a two-year deal. I don't think, I think most players who've reconstructed their deals, reconstructed their deals for the same amount of time that their deals that they signed in 2020 were meant for. Some of them, some of them drop down to one, but a lot of them are kind of different situations, right? Like I think when I listened to Marcel speak, he did mention that one of the reasons he didn't pursue Matt Nichols last offseason was because of his health. They questioned if he was healthy. He's healthy now. Absolutely he's healthy now. Yeah, I mean, I. it's such a tricky subject because you have fans that are attached and they think it's great. But, you know, what has Nick Arbuckle really proven in the CFL? That's, that's the thing, right? In his two years in the CFL, he's thrown 263 passes. I've seen people call him a franchise quarterback. He is not. He could not be. Yet. He could be potentially a franchise quarterback, potentially the next superstar in the CFL, also potentially a backup by the end of the season. And, okay, here's the thing. He signs a one-year deal, has a bad year. Okay, who's going to touch him at that point? Like, I don't see why – like, I think if like, – honestly, if I'm Arbuckle, like, if I'm Arbuckle, I'm pissed at my agent. Because why the hell am I signing? Well, he's self. I think he's self-represented. I don't know if he has an agent. Well, y'all, if he's self-represented, then he screwed himself. Because why would you give yourself a year? I, it's it's tough, and I don't want anybody to think I don't like Nick Arbuckle. I really like. I like the kid. I want to see him do well in Toronto. I hold nothing against him, and I really hope for the best for him and his young family. But that being said, football is a cutthroat sport. The Red Blacks think that they might have a better quarterback for the right now in Matt Nichols, and he he's on a what two hundred thousand dollars at the start of the season, then another hundred thousand throughout the year. Yeah, three hundred thousand dollars you're paying for that quarterback that gives you the opportunity now to add things around him all over the place. Yeah, that's I mean, a really good contract for the Red Blacks. And even outside of money, like if you're if you're uh, you know in Arbuckle's situation, you want stability. So why are you looking for a one year deal? Why are you looking at a deal where if you play poorly, like realistically, if he plays poorly and a guy like Mazzoli or Dane Evans hits the market, what is stopping Toronto from cutting ties with Arbuckle and then signing Dane Evans or Mazzoli or any other quarterback that gets the next big light? Right? And I think that that's the problem that I have with it is that I think it was short. It was a short-sighted decision on Arbuckle's 
case to want a one-year deal. Yeah, I mean, what ultimately, what do we have? What do we know about what's best for his career? But you're right. Like, if he does, if he doesn't play as well as he possibly could have this year, or he struggles in the Argos situation, um, you know, all the all the weapons are there for him to use. He shouldn't be terrible. But if the Ticats decide, you know, Jeremiah is always not the guy for here. Dane Evans is clearly our starter. What like? is Toronto really going to say no to bringing in that kind of quarterback? I don't think so. So the, all the pressure's on Nick Arbuckle now. And for the Red Blacks, like Tyson just said there, the Red Blacks brought in a legitimate starting quarterback right now. And I got I got laughed at when I said, if Nichols comes in here and wins the Red Blacks a great cup, what does it matter? And people told me that it's ridiculous that they win a great It's not. It's really not. People thought They've it was ridiculous. A solid roster around, like for now, before free agency, the roster on paper doesn't look terrible. They 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 want to like people didn't expect Burris or or Harris to lead Ottawa to a Grey Cup. the The roster around Nichols features Sa- uh, Saunders, Sinopoli, Coombs, Harris. Uh, uh, Flanders, they they have Galanders, they lost Crockett, like, yeah, they cut Crockett, but you know, you look at that offensive arsenal, there there's pieces there. There's actual offensive weapons for them to use. Same with the Argos as well, right? But the the question there is I right now I am more confident that Matt Nichols is going to step on that field for opening night and be a better quarterback than Nick Arbuckle would. And that's well, nothing he- against Nick Arbuckle again. But I do think Matt Nichols and his connection with Paul Lapolis and his seniority in the league is going to allow him to have the best possible chance of success to bring the the Red Blacks back from a three and fifteen season. But here's the thing: so if you, okay, you're you're if you're you're Nichols, you basically Lapolis is probably going to same the same kind of run the same system that he ran in Winnipeg. Yep. So you know the playbook. All you have to work in camp instead of learning the playbook, you just have to get your timing down. Yeah, you can learn you know, your playbook in the offseason. That's great. Like that's what you should be doing. But you have Davis, who has spent a year under this playbook already. He's probably learned it already. So you have a familiar face with with Davis. You have a familiar face in La Police. So hey, okay, it's basically the same thing we're going to run that we ran in Winnipeg. Solid. Nick Arbuckle went from learning a playbook with La Police now having to learn a, a whole new playbook, a whole new playbook with under Dinwiddie. Plus the timing, you know, Arbuckle's in a worse situation in Toronto than he than he would be in Ottawa in terms of the fundamental side of being a quarterback. Well, we'll have to wait and see. One thing I do want to bring up, too, I want to run this past you. Jordan Zlomoslik brought this up today on his Twitter, talking about Lucky Whitehead um, and how Matt Nichols completed, like, a ridiculous amount of passes to him or targeted him for a stupid high percentage of his passes in his first games before he got hurt last year. Um, does does it not seem like Lucky Whitehead would be a great fit in Ottawa right now? I would love Whitehead in Ottawa. I think Whitehead in Ottawa would be the next best thing since Deontay Spencer. Well, and you still got Devontae Dedman, right? Like that could if <laughs> decide who you're gonna kick to. Devontae Dedman, who had three kick return touchdowns against the Alouettes and won them a game in 2019, or do you kick it to, to Lucky Whitehead, who can just as easily turn around and burn you down? Uh, on a kick return. Yeah, I just and, – and that's the thing. Okay, you have a, a quarterback like – like okay, and, and this is the thing that's interesting. You have a guy who's been around in the league. There's a lot of respect for Nichols in the CFL community. How much easier is it to go to a player like Whitehead or – screw it. You know, we're going to go big. Ricky Collins. You know, how, how much easier it is like, hey, Ricky – we want you in Ottawa. You get to play with Sinopoli and RJ Harris, who have a name in the CFL. You also get to work with Matt Nichols. Obviously, it's no Mike Riley or or Bo Levi, but it's still a bigger name than Nick Arbuckle. Yep. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a reason why they're trying to get a like why Toronto is getting a bunch of Stampeders onto their roster is because they know. Nick Arbuckle because Nick Arbuckle doesn't have the same kind of 
respect, in my opinion, that that Nichols has when it comes to players around the league. Well, that's just a given, right? Like we're talking about a guy who has started seven games versus a guy who's been playing professional football for 12 years, right? Obviously they're different things, but you know, I feel that Marcel Desjardins for all the flaws that he has, right? If that thing about him not talking to Arbuckle from Christmas on until hours before the deadline to get the deal done, if that's true, that's a problem, right? I think we can all agree to that. I'm going to take what Nick said, with a little bit of a grain of salt, and I'm going to take what Marcel said with a grain of salt as well, and I'm going to try to build the truth somewhere in the middle, but I'm never going to figure it out, right? Nobody's ever going to know. So for all, if we're just looking at this in a fair, who's going to be better this year, I'm taking Matt Nichols, and then we're going to have to see what Nick Arbuckle does after that. If he turns into a star, obviously the Argos win. But if he doesn't, if he turns into a, a, a James Franklin, I think we all know who wins, right? Not hoping that happens. I'm Whoever hoping our buckle can be good. Wins first. Sure. Real, like, <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Realistically, if Ottawa goes on and wins the Great Cup in 2021, well, guess who won? Yeah. Not, like Nick Arbuckle, like Toronto loses, Ottawa wins. If even if we don't win the Great Cup and Nick Arbuckle ends up as a backup in back in Calgary next season and they bring in Dane Evans into Toronto, well, Ottawa wins. Yeah, well, we're just going to have to wait and see. I do want to – Tyson brought up another thing that I want to talk about quickly um, because if you remember back a couple of months ago, they made that gentleman's agreement that teams weren't going to go over the cap floor. Like, does it just not feel to me like there's some teams in particular that aren't playing along with that anymore? I honestly don't even agree. I don't even think it happened. I I don't think there was a gentleman's agreement. I think it's stupid. Why would you agree to why? Because uh, Montreal can't afford to bring in the players that Toronto can. Why should you lessen your chance? To, it's all about winning. It's all about putting, especially if you're Toronto and BC. You want to bring fans to the. You want to bring fans in. Obviously, you know fans this year are, you know, a possibility, not a given right now. We don't know. We don't know. But you want to bring viewers to the game. What, what do you do? You want a winning product. So why is it up to – why should it be up to Toronto or BC or Edmonton to lessen their product because Montreal, Ottawa, whoever doesn't want to spend a little bit more money? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there was a gentleman agreement in place, and if there was, well, I don't think there is anymore. Well, that's that's it, right? Like I, I've been asked this many times by like friends and stuff if I think the teams are going over the cap. I think that's not happening. I, I don't think anybody's going over the cap right now. I think what they are going over is that gentleman's agreement that they may or may not have agreed to. Um, but the the salaries are so low right now that I'd find it hard to believe that guys are getting – or teams are getting over the cap. Yeah, I mean I, I've seen some of the uh, some of the uh, roster and the contract details released through 3 Down Nation. Like, I don't know. Players want to play. Maybe yep. there's more to the contracts that were known, you know, so maybe like under the table or performance bonus money or whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe maybe they're like, hey, you know, if you come in, you're going to get that great cut money. Yeah, Take a well, little bit less to come to us and, you know, look who we have, look what we're building. You can get that great cut money at the end of the year, right? So – realistically i don't know i i'm not worried about it and if teams are hindering their own success because or are trying to play in that pool of oh we're not going to spend too much money well i hope they have a i hope they have a shit season <laughs> and i think i think we're really going to see teams who didn't like who didn't spend the money have bad years it, it depends what they get right like if if you go out and you spend good money i i think you'll be fine but if you go out and you spend nothing like just exactly what the red blacks did right if you spend money in the wrong places you're gonna suck right and i'm talking about the 2019 red blacks well we'll see i mean free agency opens up on tuesday so we're gonna have to see what happens how how have how do you lose charleston hughes over 15k he has 130 career sacks he is 27 sacks away from the record all time you know what how do you 
He's had three straight years of 10-plus sacks. He had a 16-sack year tw- and 16 sacks twice in the last three years. I don't think he was going back no matter what. I think the like there was an article written. I can't remember where I saw it from, but it basically said that it was all about respect. He didn't feel like he was being respected anymore, and he wanted to go. And I can I, mean, I can hey, see that. I think I think he probably would have taken a pay cut to go somewhere else. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe O'Day actually just didn't respect him but, and did something like offered him more. I do want to move on though. Some worth. we got. We've got two uh, little bits of news today. Um, the Bombers this morning re-signed Steven Richardson, the defensive lineman, and the Ticats re-signed Devere Posey, who was kind of one of those players that I really was hoping Ottawa might have a crack at. Uh, but he's staying in, in Hamilton. And then, of course, you mentioned uh, Charleston Hughes headed to Toronto. That happened last night, I believe. Yesterday or yesterday, some, Sometime yesterday. And then you had Eric Rogers signing on with Toronto. You had Dan- uh, uh, Danielson or Daniel Robertson, the other yep. piece from that trade to from Toronto to, to Calgary. He signed on with Toronto. No word on Cordero Law. Uh, Mondo Siwa was released. I think uh, Cordero Law resigned. Did he not? I have not seen anything. I might have missed it. You know, I've been at work all day for or for most of the day, so I might have missed it. Um, I believe he did, but I can't find anything right now. Which you know, oh. you know under you know what an under radar um, signing. All right, uh, I am. Friggin- I'm. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm uh, technical difficulties there for a second, which is fantastic. Uh, what did you ask me? Like, uh, I can't remember. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> so apparently, oh yeah, he did. Yeah, he's recently. He officially so. signed like, yesterday. So something just, I, I we just overmissed because Toronto has so many signings. So, okay. So Toronto's gotten better. Like, let's be honest. You have Charleston Hughes and Cordero Law. They were a menace in yep. Calgary. I, if I'm Ottawa... I'm pissed that I didn't sign Derek uh, Derek Dennis, and I'm looking at Matt O'Donnell, well, the guard out of Edmonton. That's that's the direction you expect the Red Blacks to go. You've brought in a quarterback who, you know, he said I've only had three injuries, is what he said in Ottawa radio. But you know, the three injuries have he's had, like he tore his ACL and then he came back and had season-ending shoulder so, shoulder surgery last season. They're not small injuries he's had. So going after some good offensive linemen, and Matt O'Donnell's Canadian too, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so, he's a national. Yeah, so like that seems like a good fit to me. The question is, do you want to spend the money to bring him in? I hope the answer is yes. Because if you could protect Matt Nichols, like the guy was on an MOP pace last year. Let's not forget that. Let's not pretend like Matt Nichols is a bum. I'm done doing that, right? That's something that's bothered me. I've been, I'm so tired of seeing Matt Nichols slandered all over social media right now. The guy's a good quarterback. Holy shit. What is happening? I keep forgetting that Matt O'Donnell should be playing basketball. <laughs> he is 6'11. Yeah. Sign him to. Hell, if I'm the Blackjacks, I sign him to a freaking contract and then sign hey, him to a Red Blacks. Patrick contract. Ewing's son got hired by the Blackjacks today, so that's good news. They also announced the expansion team to Montreal in is 2022. That, look at that. Some. Competent uh, run leagues in Canada. I mean, it's easy. Yeah. So, you know, uh, realistically, I don't know, man. I, if, I'm, if I'm Ottawa, I'm looking at Matt O'Donnell 100%. Uh, you know, I'm disappointed that uh, some of the O-line men, like uh, Stanley Bryant, re-signed in, uh, in Winnipeg. But – you know, I'm looking at the O linemen that are free. You know, Mike Filer and Matt O'Donnell. Those two are two guys that I would look at if they were to hit free agency next week on Tuesday at twelve o'clock. Uh, how okay? Another, another thing I gotta I gotta ask you this: How do the Edmonton? How do how does Edmonton plan on getting to the the Canadian threshold with two American offensive uh, linemen? Because that's not something that we see very often. I would not be surprised if they go skill positions on the like defensive side. 
You're, you have to. Running backs, I, like, I don't know. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. Well, I mean, I haven't spoke to uh, Kevin Brown recently, but he hasn't been re-signed either. Doesn't it feel like Edmonton's where he's going to end up too? Oh, man, who knows at this point? Like, that's that's a storyline that I'm very interested to follow. How does Edmonton reach the Canadian threshold with two offense or two American offensive linemen? Like, that, we I just mean, don't see that in the CFL. I mean, their two uh, American defensive linemen are Charleston Hughes, like, or uh, offensive, linemen. offensive linemen, Derek Dennis and friggin' Sir V. You yeah. That's either your left side. That's either your 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 left side completely. You have because Dennis has said he can play t- he can play guard. So you have Servi on your left tackle, Dennis as your left guard, or you do at what that Toronto point. Good did. luck. Good luck getting through anything. Yeah, or you do what Toronto did in 2012, and like they did with Chris Van Zyl and Tony Washington. You had Chris Van Zyl, Hall of Fame guard or tackle on your right side, and Tony Washington. On his left for Ricky Ray. Yeah. So you're gonna have Derek Dennis and Sir Vincent Rogers or vice versa. Doesn't matter. This O line is going to be scary. Well, that's uh, I mean, it, it's gonna be a really good offensive line. Absolutely no questions. Just how do you get enough Canadians on the field at a time? What's the Does, what's the threshold again? It's a what six or seven? At a time? Yeah, like in um, a game, isn't it like half? So like eleven? Or something like that. The ratio's something. not overly big. No, but you've got to get. You can't just have useless Canadian players out there, right? You have to find impact players that can make plays. That's why a guy like Brad Sinopoli is so valuable, and Andrew Harris is so valuable. And I'm as far as their kicker situation goes, I don't know what they have there because that, so you that have, also counts. So you need seven starters. Generally, five of them are your linemen, so you only yeah. need two. Realistically, I'm gonna go to their roster real quick. Um, it's doable. Mm-hmm. It's just not common. We just don't see it very often. Hey, well, we don't see a lot of things very often. Like football being played with fans in the stands? Right. Gotcha. <laughs> We're not Toronto, okay? <laughs> um. So, like, okay, so they have uh, Harry Ma- – or try to cross-reference this to their free agency – a little bit harder to do because the CFL does not have things laid out properly, like ever. No, like their CFL tracker, like their free agency tracker, is absolute garbage. Yes. Um, you know, but but it is doable. Like you could see, you know, they do have a lot of nationals on their team. Uh, you know, Jordan Bedier, David Beard, uh, Azar. So you have Beard and Azar, who are your two, uh. Oh, two offensive linemen. You have Quenco uh, Botang on your, your defensive line. So there's three. Um, you can probably look at uh, Jordan Hoover playing as your starting safety. Uh, Mike Jones could be in there as like your third or fourth receiver option. So that's what, four? Uh, and then you could probably add a couple of guys in free agency. You have like Eric Blake. You have a couple of linemen. You have a couple of DBs that can probably get in there. It's doable. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk briefly about them bringing in Sean Lemon and letting go of uh, Almondo Siwa um, because they let go of a really good player. And I, I see a lot of Edmonton fans that are really upset about that. And if you remember, I don't know if you saw that. Um, I I, re, I I took out the EE out of the Edmonton logo and I put a <laughs> money bag in it. Yeah, uh, people were very upset that I did that because they didn't resign Sewell. Just saying. Um, but they, they like they've got a lot of big name talent. The question is, can they put enough around it now? Uh, because that's something that they they struggled with in 2019. You know, you brought in your Harris, you brought in Ellingson, um, some others. I can't remember who though. But they just couldn't surround it. It didn't. It didn't end up working out. So you've still got those two guys now, and you've added a bunch of other talent. Can you surround them now? I think they have. And I mean, looking at that, like, can we can we just start calling them the the Edmonton Green Yellows until <laughs> they officially? I'm gonna start calling them. They're officially for me the Edmonton Green Yellows until they announce a goddamn name because they have our old. They have the Red Blacks 
you know, former OC and DC on their roster, former Ottawa, like Red Blacks, uh, GM, quarterback, receiver, DB, lineman. Like, what do you think? What do you think about so, that Elizondo hire too? It's about goddamn time he got his freaking coaching job role in the CFL. You know, Shane, I I really did not like him in Ottawa. See, I didn't like him either, but I also didn't like Harris, and I felt like Harris was a bigger problem than Elizondo. I think uh, – see, that? yeah, that's tough. I, I think he's part of the reason why the Red Blacks were so bad in 2019. Him him why, jumping ship, right? Him jumping ship that close to the start of the season definitely played a role. And I think – I don't know, man. If you bring in a competent OC that early to training camp, you know, you it's not like, you know, Rick Campbell – could have just kept like, I'm sorry, but I think it's a lazy excuse now. They're professionals. I think the what hurt was their inability to bring in an OC, an official OC. Well, that, that's what I'm season. saying, right? Him quitting so early, kind of everybody else kind of had jobs. So, I'm sorry, there are, there are guys that you could have found that are are middling in in you in you sports or NCAA that or probably were just recently let go. From from the NFL, that probably would take a chance. In, you you could in have gone CFL. that direction, but you need a guy who who knows what he's doing in the CFL. Then go you to Carlson just, or Ottawa U. They know what they're doing in U sports. I think you're underestimating the the talent of U sports coaches. Well, go to also, Queens I'm, or I'm also just thinking about a, a guy stepping into the room and and putting a guy on the spot and saying, "You need to be here now." Like you are not in the right spot. Will a player immediately take that from somebody who has no experience? Yes. Will they though? It's either they do or they don't play. It's fair enough, I guess. <laughs> you say it's a cutthroat sport. It's either you play for your coach or you don't play at all. Remember, teams have no obligation to keep the players around. Either Ottawa, way. Okay, here, for example, Ottawa let go of uh, Lucius Parafoy in, what, 2018? Because him yeah. and Thorpe butted heads constantly. Which, uh, I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I thought Noel Thorpe might be the Red Blacks head coaching uh, contender. Thank God he wasn't <laughs> with some of the stuff that has been said about that like, guy. Like, I'm just saying that, like, this is a, it's either you play for the coach or you don't play. And some of these youth sport coaches – have a lot more respect and know the game a lot better than some of the American coaches that are coming up to coach. And this is my problem that I have with the CFL and with CFL organizations. Stop hiring a friggin' Americans. Stop. Just if you want to promote the game, look at your youth sports guys. They don't need to learn the game. They've been coaching it. I understand that. Okay. Some of them are good. Like some of them are worth it. Some of them have played in the CFL before. That's fine. But why are you, if you're if you're looking for a straight out just like uh you know an offensive a quarterback coach and you don't even look at a guy in, in an offensive coordinator or uh an offensive line coach in the CIS before looking at an American, that's the problem with the CFL right now. You rely too much on American product that you're ignoring CIS. Like and, and that's my issue. Like, I, I honestly, like, and this is to knock American coaches, but you want to promote the game internally? Give coaches an actual reason, like university coaches? Give them the ability to be a coach in the CFL. Okay, Shane's rant done. On to what I wanted to bring up. Um, I just I, – I, I think the Jamie Elizondo hire is one of those ones that we're going to have to wait and see. He hasn't had the head coaching role before. I thought his play calling was awful at the best of times. Uh, and, I mean, if you want to know how to stop him, just don't let him run up the middle on first down and then stop the, the, the hook route on, on second down. It's a punt. That, that was it. That was literally all he had. It, like, it, it, was, it was bad. So uh, I'm not in love with that hire. But, I mean, they just like to take all of the Red Blacks cast-offs too, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, honestly, I think Rick Campbell was more of an issue with Ottawa than uh, Harris and uh, Elizondo. But I definitely feel like they played a part in it. 
it's it's going to be interesting to see Elizondo in a coaching role. I think so. Um, also, another another story that was really interesting to me was Brian Burnham, because we were hearing that it was either BC or Winnipeg. I thought like at one point it was it almost seemed like he was good as gone from BC, and then here he is. He's back in BC now. Hey, things change. Things yeah, change apparently, quickly. Apparently. Like, and I think, and I think that's the thing is I like. Uh, you really never know what to expect from the CFL when it comes to player transactions. Things can no. change really quickly. Like that's that's a big get for them too, and I'm saying get because, you know, whatever. But without him, I don't know how many weapons Mike Riley truly has to play with, because he's like obviously the top tier guy they have. If they lose him and they're like, oh, well, Dominique Rimes is my number one now. No. <laughs> like, that, well, that no, would be I mean, very, very Dominic bad. Dominique Rimes wouldn't even be close to their number one. Well, Dominique Rimes played a little bit too big of a role for the Red Blacks last year. And I know Rick Campbell really likes him. Yeah, I never understood Rick Campbell's love for him. But I Dominique even Davis likes him too a lot. But, like, I knew that he'd throw the ball to him a lot. But he just couldn't catch it last year. Um, I'm pretty sure... They have another guy outside of him. The former uh, uh, former Calgary player. God damn, is, it, is this a guessing game? Am I supposed to guess who it is? No, I just uh, – Lamar Durant. Now he would become your official number one. Yeah. Well, hey, either way. They... Johnson. Like, okay, really? And, and this is the thing. You have Shaq Johnson, Lamar Durant, and by uh, – friggin' um, – Burnham, oh, I said Byram, Burnham as your three receivers with Mike Riley and a competent head coach and Rick Campbell. You're going to tell me that offense is not better than Calgary? This all goes back to, to the betting line. Well, it, it, I mean, it depends what Calgary ends up getting because we'll mention it here. Ricky Collins Jr. was just cut. So where does he end up? Like, could, I'd could rather that top him? three than friggin' Josh Huff uh, – Lamar, um, not Lamar Duran. He's in uh, Kamar Jordan and Ricky Collins. There's still other guys out there too. Like uh, we'll, we'll eventually find out where Natea J is headed, and that, like, you know, he could be ready to have that breakout season. Like, who, who really knows? And it, it, like, if he does go to Calgary, Natea J, I kind of expect that breakout season to happen. You know? Maybe I don't know. And that's the thing is that some of these guys like. There's so many question marks with some of these guys on where they can fit in teams. Yep. Um, I'm just looking here for any other things that I really need to talk about. Um, I don't know. I think. Did we did we bring up Mazzoli being re-signed with the Tie Cats last episode? Did we talk about that? I don't think so. Because that could be our last thing. What does that mean for Dane Evans? You have a quarterback challenge. Yeah, the same thing that you're going to have last year. You're going to have to come in and win the spot. And guess what? It became that much harder because Mazzoli is just not much more ready to compete for the starting. He's, he's healthy too. Like I, I think it would have been pretty interesting to see what would have happened with that front, though, had that gone down to the wire a little bit more. Would the Red Blacks have moved on to Nichols if Mazzoli was still available? I think yes, but I think it would have been a little bit more of a storyline that would have made some things a little bit more fun. Would the Argos have gone with Matt or with, with Nick Arbuckle if Jeremiah Mazzoli was available? Who knows? But you know that's not the case right now. My interest thing is Montreal. They've been very quiet. They uh, have. Tyson, and uh, they just Tyson, cut John Bowman today. Yeah, uh, Bowman to Sask, HB Dam. See, okay, look, HB Dam is a little bit of a weird thing to say when you just got rid of Charleston Hughes because he's what thirty-seven. Yeah. Isn't Bowman like 40? Bowman's old, if, just as old, if not older, I think. Yeah, like he's around the same age. I'm pretty sure they came into the league together. So. And just as a capable edge rusher. He is 38, so he is older. Yeah. Um, but, like, it just, to me, it feels like either A, Almondo Sewell, or B, John Bowman need to be in a red-black jersey by the end of this. 
I think Sewell, but like, okay, who, if you look at Ottawa's defensive front, who does that remove? Well, Avery Ellis never resigned, did he? Yeah, he signed, he resigned like a couple days ago. That was Avery Williams. Let me see. I'm on their tracker so I can find out if he resigned. Pretty sure. I'm almost, I'm almost certain that Avery Ellis has not been resigned. Yeah, he was extended January was 15th. Yeah. Huh. Well, I missed that one. Okay, that's good. Yeah, no, um, like uh, they oh, – okay, so this is Ottawa's – right now they're – according to the CFL, it's Kevin Brown, yep. John Crockett, which I'm pretty it sure was, was released. released. Uh, DeAndre Ferris, who I think actually signed today. Um, I might be mistaken. I don't uh, think so. I think that was Gumpays. That was Gumpays. Yeah. Gumpays yeah, resigned today. Yeah. Devon Hayes, uh, Evan Johnson, who I think, you know, he could be out of the mix and you bring in a guy like uh, um, Matthew O'Donnell. We had two guys retire, Michael Clayson and Caleb Johnson last year. Yeah. Abdul Kane was resigned, but yeah, you have Vittorio uh, Latenzio, who hasn't resigned. J- uh, Jason Luazo uh, Segui, who won't be back. He's been. One of He's the done. weaker members of the offensive uh, line. Christoph Mulumba Tishminga, who he resigned today. today. Uh, Don Wumba, who I'm pretty sure resigned too. No. I might be mistaken. No, has oh, not resigned yet. Who was the one that? Oh, no, that was the Montreal guy who went back. Uh, he knocked Mulumba, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Wakefield. So, I mean, okay, yeah, you can replace. Wakefield plays more, he plays more of D tackle, but. Yeah, but I mean, you could you could replace Wakefield with Cleon Lang and then push Sewell into that three tech. Yeah, like you uh, could you could get you can get away with that. Even I think honestly, that's it. Like, Tyson, I know you you like that, but I think my favorite CFL name of all time is Ironhead Gallon. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Come on, man! His name's Ironhead. That's but, sick. Like, uh, Almondo Sewell is like that guy. Like, if if me as a Red Blacks fan, what could Marcel Desjardins do to make me happy? It's him. And you know what? You know what? The other thing he could do to make me very happy, Shane. Come on the show, CJ Gable. Why? Why? That's a pretty solid running back to to have. Oh no, man! He lost the job and went, like Edmonton didn't sign last year. That's okay. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I'm not really. He's only 33. Take... He's give, only 33. Oh, give Galanders a goddamn chance. You can have the chance. Give me CJ Gable. Bring him in at camp. If Tim Flanders wants that spot, let him win it. If if Galanders wants it, let him win it. Like, but give me put put CJ Gable in my backfield. No, because right you know you know who Gable reminds me of. Who? Walker. Siobhan Walker, the first, you know, 2014 running back. Got, Bring him back, who, too. Who lost the job to C.J. Gable? Like, I don't know. It's hard It's hard for me to want to bring in quarter running backs who've lost two jobs. I mean, you're not, like, you're not bringing him in with a massive signing bonus, right? You're If you bring him in, it's risk-free. But still, it's why, why recycle old, like, I, mean, I don't mean this, like, in a rude way. But running backs are such an interesting position. They are. Why would you release John Crockett, who's like 28, and bring in a 32-year-old C.J. Gable? Well, because I think at this point we, we kind of understood Crockett's not coming back. I, I think if Crockett would have come back at the number you wanted him, I think you probably would have brought him back because he was, he was relatively productive in 2019. Relatively. I mean, but he's not a starter. Like he he won the starting job. I think like, I think he, he could have been the next Will Powell. I like I don't look at Will Powell and say yeah that guy's gonna rush for a thousand yards every year, because he's not. I, like I don't think he's necessarily the best running back in the league. Not even close. But he gets okay. To, to be fair, no one's close to friggin' Andrew, Andrew Harris. Harris. Yeah, but like I, I question what that running back position is gonna look like because I think there's only one team in the league right now that I look at and I say yeah like. Well, I mean, I guess Montreal. If um, I mean, 
Hamilton has uh, a pretty good running back. And dude, what are you talking about? What are you talking about that Powell isn't going to run? Uh, going to run for a thousand yards? He's ran for three straight. Uh huh. That's fine. That's more than fine. That's fantastic. At, right now, right now, do I think he's going to run for a thousand yards every year? He no. has run. For, okay. Here's the thing. Last year was his first full season playing a game. He played yeah. all 18, ran for over a thousand yards. He had Do you remember his start? Yards. He went cra- like there was one game where he had like 250 yards, wasn't there? Yeah, and then they stopped him and they, you know, sh- friggin' boxed everyone into it, and then that's why Fajardo came in. Cody Fajardo went nuts. <laughs> yeah. So, like Will Powell's, like he's good. I just don't think that he's. He's yeah. probably the second best back in the league right now. I don't know. Who what would you put ahead of him? Stand back. He's been out a year. He didn't play a lot. Like he didn't play in 2019. Oh no, he didn't play in 20. I mean, he did. But like, well, okay, so if we're gonna use that as a qualifier, then I I don't know. Yeah, okay, if realistically, your top three are gonna be what? Standback, Harris, and, and Powell. They have to be. Yeah. John White, clock in. I mean, running backs kind of rotate in and out every year, right? Like, there's, there's not too many guys that would have been in that top three five years ago that are in the league now. I think Andrew Harris is the only one. I mean, I agree, but it's just like I don't think right now. If you look at the running backs right now, I think Standback, Powell, and Harris have to be the top three running backs in the league right now. But I mean, let's let's say for argument's sake, James Wilder Jr. comes back now. I don't know, man. Once I, we know there's going to be football again, how does it look then? Like we I don't, don't know. Man. I don't. I wouldn't put. I would not put Wilder ahead of any of the three above because you really don't know what you're going to get out of Wilder. Well, is he going to be again? Not right now. But come, like let's say midway through midway point of the season, Wilder literally could be the best running back in the league again. Could be, but I think if you look at consistency, which is a huge thing for running backs, you're not going to – like I don't see Wilder being that guy when you can look at consistently. Are you going to get the Wilder that kind of flunked out of Toronto or are you going to get rookie Wilder who right. could have easily went 1,000 and 1,000? That's what so, I'm trying to say, essentially. So, like you, you talk about consistency, like Wilder hasn't proven anything. He was, a, if anything, he's proven that he's a one-hit wonder. Tyson's essentially said what I'm trying to get at, but just couldn't figure out how to say it. Like he 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 will find you positive yards, but he's not going to be the the explosive Andrew no, Harris. No, but he's not that guy. He's the power runner. Yeah, like Andrew Harris is a power finesse runner. Like he mm-hmm. has slick feet, but he can also run you over. William Powell will just run you over. And it's just like John Cornish. John Cornish is a lot like Andrew Harris in terms of he will either run you over or make you break your ankles trying to tackle him. Like, I remember there was one game, I think, against Saskatchewan. It was either Saskatchewan or Edmonton. He, like, took, like, seven guys with him, broke, like, seven tackles on the way to a touchdown, and it looked like he broke a guy, like, literally broke a guy's ankle. I miss John Cornish in the CFL. <laughs> I miss watching him, like, just dominate on a weekly basis. Yeah, and then Kyrie say bear happened. Yeah, him and his headshots. Yeah, he's good at them. At least we're gonna give him that. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the thing I wanted to run by you before we wrap up. Yeah, um, we've seen the success some so far of the interest in the reverse retro concepts in the NHL. Okay, I, I like where you're going. Let's Montreal, go. Montreal, Montreal. We saw them last game. We saw Tampa today. We've seen most of them all week, and we're expecting Ottawa to drop theirs uh, tomorrow on Saturday against Montreal at 1 o'clock. But, you know, Calgary was expected to release a throwback jersey. Ottawa was expected to release a red jersey. How how much, if you're a fan, would you love to see a third color jersey or a, a redo with an alternate colorway of a previous Look. installed jersey? So you would have Hamilton wearing yellow, uh, Montreal wearing either like a blue or a, or a green or a red, depending on what jersey they wanted. Uh, Ottawa would be wearing a, a, a red. 
Toronto would be wearing their baby blue, like powder blue. Yep. Edmonton would be wearing yellow. BC and Calgary will probably be wearing black. Saskatchewan, so like Saskatchewan's the interesting one because they are only like they could go black. Yes, I'd be adamantly disappointed. Winnipeg would be rocking their old gold jerseys. And I know you didn't follow the CFL when they had these jerseys, but for the people who are listening or watching, you're talking about you're talking about the ones they wore with Buck Pierce. They had like an actual like gold jersey with yeah, yeah, when when they they played in the Reeboks, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Shane, come on, dog. You started watching the CFL in 2014, okay? They had them then. No, they did not. Yes, they did. No. Reebok was a jersey manufacturer that year. Yes, they did. They did not have... Shane, they did. They did. They they didn't have a white jersey until Adidas took over. Oh, no, not those ones. Um... No, not not that gold one. Because good, because that gold one was stupid. I hated it. No, they had another gold one from like the mid two thousands when they went to the the Grey Cup in like oh seven. Um, with like Buck Pierce. Look, uh, it was there. So it was basically all gold, uh, with like having. See, I'll bring up a picture of it. Um. I'll just share my screen real quick. Do 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 do. Don't need your attitude here. Do 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 do. There so we yeah, go. This. Oh, those are so okay. Had, yeah. So they had these. This is when Kevin Glenn broke his wrist or his arm uh, before the uh, Great Cup in two thousand and seven. So I'm saying bring this back. Or those those have like of, a very um, either high school or like really old college football feel to them, and I love them. Oh, man. this So my my favorite player, my favorite lineman, friggin', friggin' Doug Brown. Oh, you know, okay. You know what I don't like about those? The fact what? that the Los Angeles Rams use that same font with that stupid gradient number they have. Yeah, like soccer yeah, but um, you know, they had them before. But I'm just saying, like, bring these back, bring back, you know, friggin' these beauties. Okay, hold on, hold on. About this, get rid of the one helmet rule. Let Calgary bring back the black helmet. Let Ottawa bring back the white helmet. Let Saskatchewan wear white helmets. Let the Argos wear white helmets. Yo, Let look, BC look orange. Like, come on. But as I'm saying, if you were to bring back, I mean, this looks very Cincinnati Bengals. It does. Uh, By the way, we're also getting new uniforms. Pardon? Bengals are also getting new uniforms. That's not surprising. Uh, They had a black jersey from like the Dave Dickinson days. Yeah, it's going to give you the CFL signature. Which was ugly. I did not like it. But like that that project worked. Like do another one of them. Do – I'm not saying copy the color rush because the color rush were kind of stupid. But give us like – Alternate colors. Oh, like, yeah. So uh, like something like this. First retro like, project is perfect. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that would be ideal for for the CFL. Is do something like that. I agree. I just want to so see. Bad. I just want to see Hamilton rocking a, a yellow jersey again. Hamilton. Hey, look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can get. I want to talk to somebody who is involved with this red jersey thing for the Red Blacks because. I gotta know. I gotta know, Shane, if that's coming. Because if that's coming, you bet I'm getting a red Matt Nichols jersey. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna wait and see what happens. Yo, I'll have another but, jersey of a quarterback that never plays it down for us. Well, no, I just want to see who they bring in because if they bring in Matt O'Donnell, I might have to grab his jersey. Get two. <laughs> Make no sense. Get um, two jerseys. One for Matt Nichols. One for Matt O'Donnell. I don't want Matt Nichols. Get a Nick Arbuckle one then. Yeah, Toronto Nick Arbuckle. No, honestly. Hey, hey, hey actually, yo, hold on. Did, yo, did you see Matt Nichols Carl- bought that guy's jersey? What? So he did you see Matt Nichols? There was an yeah, Argos he fan. He bought the guy's Christmas yeah. jersey. Well, yeah. Nick Arbuckle hasn't responded to me yet when I proposed that he should do the same thing for me. But <laughs> yo, yeah, you I'm, know not, what? I'm not upset or anything. I want to know what Charleston's who he bet yo, if he wears six, 
in Toronto, I'm going to lose my mind because that's the jersey I want to get. Oh, he'd be the sixth god. What? He'd be the sixth god. Yo, Toronto Stock Exchange with the rep in the six. Also, he needs to he needs to clarify if it's a surfboard or a goddamn snowboard. Oh my god. You and your surfboard and what? He told someone surf like surf. He told he told us surf. He sent some people snowboards. Uh, that's fine. It's a mystery. Oh wow, the Raptors are actually winning a game. Shane, the Raptors are good, dog. Come on. Don't they have a losing record? It doesn't matter. We don't talk about it. Raptors <laughs> are like bottom of the east this year okay. right now. Oh. Look, 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 you can talk about the Raptors all you want, but if you're not going to talk about how good Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and Chris Boucher have been, I don't want to hear it. They still are bottom of the East, so I don't care how good they've been. They haven't been good enough. Fred Van Vliet dropped 100 fantasy points for me the other night. Yeah, he dropped 54. Yeah. Shane, I have Luka Doncic, and the guy's never hit 100. Yeah, that's not surprising. He's supposed to be good. They're tenth. They're friggin'. I mean, to be fair, they are like literally like a half a game behind a playoff spot, and they're half a game behind sixth, and like two and a half games behind Indiana. And they're yeah. all. And realistically, they're what six games behind Philly. They could make it up, but like they've still been trash. Anyways, guys, we're gonna wrap this episode up. Fill it in as much as we can. I hope you enjoy the hour. Uh, as always, you can follow us, 13th Man, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you, uh, YouTube. Uh, give us a follow because uh, we'll be posting more stuff there. Follow uh, follow myself, Shannon underscore Ryan 97, as well as my Sons Hour podcast, Sons underscore Hour, Twitter and Instagram. Frankie at HPR underscore Frankie 13 and uh, HPR podcast, HPR underscore podcast yep. for your hockey podcast. I'll get it right eventually. He keeps changing it on me. It hasn't changed in like six months. That's what you say. Uh, you can also check out his hockey writer stuff where he talks about the Jets for some random reason. I don't know how a Habs fan starts writing about the Jets. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. I have a Jets hat. I'm qualified. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the Jets don't have much going for them this year. Hey, uh, in terms of look, writing. as I was told, the Jets have a 7-3-1 and record. That means I can't write negative things about them. They should have lost two games against the the, the Senators, but that's and they, the it, point. Also, if it wasn't for a massive save by Laurent Boursois, they would have lost, or they would have went to overtime against Calgary. So, say what you want, but if the Jets go to the playoffs playing like this, they're not going to last very long. Okay, anyways, that's all for today's episode. You can catch us on our respective hockey podcasts. If you enjoy hockey, I mean, if not, well, I mean, I don't know if you're truly Canadian. You <laughs> might be an American at that point. But anyways, I digress. Have a good one, guys. We will catch you back here next Friday, 7.30, as always. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook. You can find us all there. If you missed an episode, head on over. We'll be broadcasting this Saturday morning, I believe, is when we're going to be posting it. It's up to Frank. He deals with all that. we will um, figure it out at some point. <laughs> but thank you guys for tuning in. Everyone, remember, follow us on YouTube. We'll catch you later. Peace out. Have a safe one.